0: Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Utabia podcast. I'm your host, Jim Chisholm, and I'm joined today by examiner football writer Blake Welton and fiverside aficionado Alistair Bell, who also happens to be the treasurer of HGSA.
1: Hello.
0: Today we're going to discuss Saturday's 1 all draw with Brighton before previewing the weekend's clash with Watford. Watford, of course, is the team that Blake famously described as a nothing club.
2: You know, no, I wanted to say nothing club. wow.
0: I mean, well, he wouldn't say that, but he did say that. They're hornet mascot. So well. we'll come to that, obviously. Yeah. Kicking yeah. the hornet's nest, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there we are. Brilliant. Yeah. That's just the kind of level of banter you've come to expect. Elton from this John. John. Graham Taylor. Okay. <laughs> Elton John is not going to be in this podcast. Can,
2: can I just say, the Watford uh, phoned me up for an official line from an opposition view, and they actually put in words... In my mouth saying, uh, you know, commendable how they've been with their chief executive and the chairman. I haven't said anything about Elton John. Classic.
0: It's like classic <laughs> actions of a nothing club. <laughs> um, right, before we, we do all that though and get stuck in, let me point you in the direction of some cheap booze. So okay. if you go over to the Beer52 website, who are our sponsors, type mm. in the code Huddersfield, which again, you should all be able to spell by now. You can be the proud owner of a £30 crate of beer for just 5 what sort of beer is it? Nobody knows. Oh, yeah. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> right, Brighton. One point gained or two points dropped, Blake.
2: Uh, well, as soon as the game started and the way Brighton, you know, came out the traps and then they got the goal, I just was thinking, oh, here we go again, another away defeat, and you know, another kind of abject performance. So for me very much a point gained. Um at that point when they scored and of course the manner of the goal as well with you know you know Eunice Lossell. I, I was like, right, that's it. Match report's pretty much done. Let's just copy and paste Newcastle and every single other one. So fortuitous, the equalizer. But you know the football gods you know obviously smiling down, and I think town maybe do deserve a little bit of luck and that, and it's that sort of thing that can maybe change the season for the the good and you know other teams can have that slight of misfortune and have their season go on a different slant.
1: Alistair, oh, so what do you think? On the balance of play it was a point gained uh, we could have um could have lost really. I think when they went down to ten men, that's when I got really worried to be honest, uh, especially when they slipped through the back uh near the end. Uh but yeah, like we said, the manner of the, the first goal that had me thinking, uh, we're gonna lose this now. But uh yeah, we got a lucky goal as well. So yeah I'd say even though before I was thinking must win, uh on the balance of it, a point gained, given other other results.
0: I mean the goals were interesting in what you would call Premier League standard. I mean <laughs> run me through both of them. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, they weren't Premier League standard, obviously. But you know, at this time of the season, it's it's not about quality. It's just get about getting points on the board and that. And obviously, you know, as Alistair said as well, down to ten men, it was just gaping holes. Mm-hmm. I, said, you know, <laughs> and and I thought, Oh, I can't believe it down to ten men and Brighton's going to snatch this. Um. So so yeah. Um. Obviously. Duffy at the back for them. He's he's had a few howlers in the past. I think he, I remember he did two howlers for Blackburn, and then that sealed a move to Brighton. So, you know, he might probably be you know signing for Barcelona <laughs> in the summer after that. So, um, again, Lossell. People might point the finger at Lossell and, and that, but I think he more than made up for it with his saves, and and that's what you're going to get. You are going to maybe get some issues and problems at the back with the you know, likes of Lossell, but he, he what he. What he sort of gives, lets in, he makes up with some of the saves, which obviously was an example of, you know, down on the south coast.
1: I think Mounier took his goal well, to be mm-hmm. fair. Yeah.
2: Like, I'd have skied that.
1: Definitely. And uh, his anticipation, that was the what made the goal there. He'd read that um, Brighton's defender had like, kept on doing the back pass, the blind back pass as well, so he's sort of anticipating that ball. So, yeah, so he earned his goal there.
0: So, in terms of positives to take from that performance, <clears throat> is it we got back into a game... For the first time in a very long time, yeah. that going into this last stretch of fixtures, that has to be something that would give us, you know, sucker or, or um, you know, would, would make us think that, all right, we can, we can maybe give this a go. Because before, I was kind of looking at those fixtures and thinking if we concede one goal, particularly mm. against one of the, the, the decent sides, we're, we're screwed.
2: Yeah, no, t- totally. I-, I think once that equaliser went in, there was just—I don't know about you guys in, this, in the in in the in the stand itself, but you know, I just felt there was a slight like, renewed optimism on the pitch amongst the players and also in the in the press box as well. I don't know what you guys were thinking or whatever in the stands or, or whatever. If they felt there was a, a this self belief had come maybe came back all of a sudden.
0: I think it was the speed with which we equalised. Yeah. I think that was key. Yeah. I don't know about I you. Think,
2: well.
1: Like the man of the goal is always a massive sucker punch. you mentioned my five side history before whenever we play five side, you can see the stupid goal like it it just makes it difficult playing so, five side football at is... soccer city and Waterloo is basically
0: <laughs> the same as playing you can, relate, you can
1: definitely relate it to, so, to any uh, level of football yeah. but uh but no, the point is that like you stop you start it starts sort of almost disintegrating the team. you stop trusting your other players as much as uh, you would have done before basically um but no uh.
0: Yeah, so into any any other points, talking points from uh, Saturday. I mean, one perhaps would be Hogg's injury. I know it looks like he's going to be fit, but that was quite dangerous. We were down to two central midfielders and Regan yeah. Booty.
2: Yeah, yeah, your 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 concern with the uh, central midfielders nearly reared its ugly head again. But thankfully, you know, Hogg is the Terminator, and um, he was the actual player who was up for the press conference this afternoon. Um, no nonsense with that, like he is on the pitch, you know, he got to it, he said he's ready, he's a he's a, he's in perfect condition and bring it on sort of thing. Um and that he's got the three points targeted in his Terminator S sights. <laughs> and um yeah, and everything you would expect from Hoggy off the field as well as on it, he was there and I fully expect him to line up alongside Aaron Moy, uh on, on Saturday.
1: I think uh, two things for me though one good and one bad, uh that additionally I mentioned. The good thing was Pritchard had a really good game, sort of getting into the holes and uh, sort of linking everything up for us. Uh the bad thing would be I think we're still lacking a bit of tempo when we're trying to break people down. because um, we haven't we're not technically sort of that good enough to just sort of move the ball around slowly and wait for the gap, we need to sort of play with a higher tempo. So when when an opposition defence does slip up and stops tracking the men properly, like our balls are quick enough to find people in the space, which I think we 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 don't tend to do enough.
0: And I said that to you, I think when Brighton went down to 10 men, yeah. I said, we, we just can't break teams exactly, down. Yeah. This is, we're not going to score. Yeah. Um, we've got- and my, my fear is that, we, you know, when they started lobbing those balls over the top and I think Ulloa mm-hmm. came on, um, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously, it was Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Murray was, um, it didn't have any pace on him. So mm-hmm. any of those balls that went over the top, you know, Schindler was going was gonna to beat him. But I thought that we could have been found out or caught out at the end luckily we weren't um, yeah
2: mm. does, does anyone think when it went down to 10 men because obviously we're there and we're writing our match reports and live blogging and we they go 1-0 down and think right okay where's the Newcastle script where's the Swansea script where's all the other away day scripts about to copy and paste it and they oh actually that's not the case but again when they went down to 10 men it's like oh right okay that's it finish 1-1 one, one now mm. Does anyone actually feel that time we're going to score?
1: No, no, I don't think anyone no. did. So. I thought maybe if we are very lucky we might nick something as we almost could have done from that corner later on but no yeah. one was at the back post but that would have been it, yeah. It was... always have a man on the back post. It's like schoolboy
0: yeah, yeah. stuff. Five aside, stuff. Right? Five aside <laughs> stuff, yeah.
2: <laughs> as well as well I just um just going going back to sort of the the, the 10 Ten men and the tempo as well. Um, I don't know if anyone listened to the, you know, we, I don't know if we should be giving them a plug. BBC Radio Leeds. Who yeah. <laughs> but a couple of fan questions were quite interesting about, you know, wingers putting the balls in mm. and who makes that decision and that. And David Wagner was kind of was like, well, we give them advice, but they can do whatever they want. And I just wonder if some of the advice would be like, you know, quicker in the final third. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean,
0: this. <laughs> Because obviously in that system wing, winger is a misnomer isn't it they're inside forwards, and it's the 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 job of the fullbacks to provide the width to put the crosses in um I think unfortunately, some of our wingers inside forwards uh just they have the te- some the technical ability um but they just don't have the decision making no, yeah. I mean, no names <laughs> Rajiv van lapara <laughs> um so yeah, I think that. If we're going to go into these next games, that's when everyone's going to have to start making the right decisions. Start taking our chances. It's a banal thing to say, but it's absolutely true. So let's move on from Brighton and let's talk about everybody's favourite team, Watford. (laughs) Um, Is this, I know I ask this every game, is this, Blake, a must-win game?
2: You know what, I'm going to actually this time say, I think... It pretty much is a must-win it's the game. First time Blackcaddis um, we have to, have to win a game. <laughs> until then, there's been plenty of other games. Um, it's must-win in a sense of maybe not guaranteeing Huddersfield Town's survival, but putting a few lame ducks, you know, below them, you know, out of their misery. So you know, I still think town need to get maybe another two points, maybe even another win, maybe.
0: Do you think just two points will be enough to stay up?
2: I I think I I think basically town will stay up because of the amount of point, a combination of the amount of points they will collect and the ineptitude of everyone else below them, mm. um, and that I think, Palace will go above them. But I think the ineptitude of not being able to, you know, win a raffle for Stoke, Southampton, and West Brom will see Town safe. Um, but I don't want it to go to that. I just want a few of them to be put out of their misery now. You know, West Brom, you know, start putting that Championship badge on your, your shirt I Think now. West
0: West Brom are out of it, but yeah, I, I think Stoke for me have been playing quite well in in some cases and maybe not getting yeah. the. He's only actually
1: won one game against. Yeah. Yeah, you know, poor away from town, really, hasn't he? But Istanbul, yeah. uh, but uh, I think for them as well. I think he's agreed with what you're saying. I think if we do win, then yeah, we're sort of just dampening their confidence a bit. Whereas if we don't win, then they're gonna sort of have a sort of bit of wind up for the sails, aren't they? And they're gonna you know proper go for the penultimate games. Having said that, I think their fixtures are both teams are pretty difficult now. Yeah, uh, as are ours to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah.
2: Yeah no I, I think Stoke going back to Stoke I think they they the one I think West Brom yeah are down but I think Stoke are the one that that's just put them out of their misery I think yeah. Southampton's the one uh, one of the lads in the office keeps saying Southampton could nick some against mm. Chelsea this weekend
0: Name him don't be giving predictions out of that <laughs> um
2: our videographer Arash Barami There you are hold him to it There <laughs> we go so um he keeps saying and I can't disagree with him to be honest um so I I, I can see Chelsea aren't the greatest side at the moment. I think they might basically decide to tinker and um because they've got the FA Cup game as well. So Conte does might not want to show his hand. So he might play a bit of a curveball side personnel. So he has everyone, you know, and his master plan to beat Southampton in the semi final there. So South the Saints might actually, you know, get something like three points out of that. So that's that's the team I'm fearing.
0: Well, as David Wanger pointed out in the interview they did with a rival, smaller media outlet, um, <laughs> you know they do do opposition research. You know Christoph Bueller comes with him, and but most of the time it turns out to be wrong or it doesn't work. So we focus on ourselves. So Alistair, in terms of the
1: Watford game,
0: mm. how do we set up?
1: I think. Unfortunately, in my point of view, there's only one way that Town can play, and it's four-two-three-one, moving the ball around very quickly, one-touch passing, and that's what all the players seem to know and be comfortable with. When I've seen us try and play other formations, namely 3 4 three formations, the players all seem very focused on sticking to their jobs, and they don't seem to play very instinctively or, or anything like that, it all seems to be quite rigid and people... They don't really play with any fluidity. Um so I think uh, yeah, I think for me we need four two three one, sort of high pressing, that that's what we need to do against Watford. I think, yeah, similar to what Wagner was, Wagner was saying, it doesn't really work against opposition the uh, opposition analysis. I think that's partly maybe because we're not maybe good enough to sort of do that side of things. But um but yeah. Blake, would you agree with Alistair's assessment there?
2: Yeah, yeah, just yeah, to- totally agree with pretty much all of it. Um just elaborating on the, you know, what do you think they, when you say about the opposition analysis, Mm. do you mean just, you know, the town try and do it, but because they haven't got the resources, or the quality of resources, they can't really implement.
1: Yeah, I mean, going to Newcastle away, I mean, we we pretty much held held them at bay, they had a few chances, but, you know, we were were sort of parking the bus a bit, but then we elapsed in concentration, and they've got a man free down the right, and then it's all chaos in our, our own area. So that's happened a few times I think away from home, where we looked like we are going to hold someone out, and then we ended up just crumbling over something stupid so yeah
2: well, why do you, you see the going back to Newcastle i don't understand why they set up like that. I just thought they mm. they were so hesitant, and it was more a case of instead of going for the win let 's not lose mm. and that
0: was it a case of trying to replicate last year's visit to St James's, which Thanks. was well, which was, you know, successful. It was oh. essentially a four wasn't it? It, yeah. where it was Mark Hudson heading every <laughs> ball out. Was it a case of, we, we've done this before, we'll, we'll go and do this again?
2: Perhaps, but um, I just thought it was, you know, both sides have progressed a lot since then. With, with you know, you talk about, you know, again, I don't want to be going down the Mark Hudson route, but you've now got Christopher
0: Shindland. You certainly do not, Black.
2: Exactly. Like. <laughs> Christopher and anchor there, you know and then you've got you know Alex Pritchard and you've got a 13.5 mm. million pound f- forward as well so town have certainly progressed and you know newcastle have as well so i just thought i don't know i think maybe that setup was more to do with the form than the mm. quality and that and and i don't know going back to what you said alistair i don't know if the you know, are are the set ups and are the analysis more on the situation and the opponent now? Um is is mm. it interesting to me I yeah, yeah. think. You know. Mm.
0: Right. Do, uh, predictions. Are we at the prediction stage yet? Have we said all we want to say about Watford? Do we want to say something about Watford, or are they such a nothing club that they don't even warrant? <laughs>
1: well, uh, their position
0: got... analysis, our opposition analysis is lacking here. I
1: think there was, I think it was five, <laughs> five, five live. What is it? But We don't need to do it then. <laughs> five, five live were saying, uh, I think on Monday Night Club that sort of similar to Crystal Palace, like we smashed them opening the game of the season, then they come back to John Smith with Roy Hodgson, and then yeah, sort of smash us. So it could be a similar thing where we went to Watford. Where they were under Marco Silva and they weren't really playing for him. Now they've got their new manager, so it's going to be a different kettle of fish for them. Um, so it's going to be a very tough game for anyone who's expecting like a a repeat of the uh, sort of Christmas miracle. And they still, you know,
0: they still could do with another three points to be yeah. safe. Yeah, on- they'll yeah. get them to I fight. Think-
1: yeah, you know, they're, they're they they are a sort of an established Premier League team now, and they? they've got some good technically gifted players.
0: And you've got you know you got Dini up front, who's always you would not bet against him, would you? No, uh,
1: yeah. I mean hopefully like, he might lose his head again. Hopefully, yeah. actually, hopefully not because we don't, we need them at eleven men, don't we? So yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, I just think, like I said before, I think if we play to our game, then we've got a chance. But if we if we sort of try and be sort of almost think about it a bit too much, almost, which is sort of almost bizarre to say. Uh, then I think that's when we'll start stumbling. So you can give me a prediction? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um one nil town. And who scores? Um
0: Jonathan Hogg.
1: <laughs> that's uh
0: Blake, would you like to give me a prediction as well?
2: Um well we're not doing am I pretending not uh, Watford don't exist still. Oh, well, you can do some analysis yeah, yeah, as well. Getting that's the kind of stuff you paid for. Yeah, um so I I agree with Alistair about town have to play their own game and I think after the Brighton result and straight after all the players were like, right, we're looking forward to the next two games, let's get this job done. They're pumped up for it. Hoggy was pumped up for it, you know, in the in the pre match press conference today. So I don't think that will be in, in any dispute that they will play to their strength or get in their faces. David Wagner's asked everyone to make some noise the loudest it's ever been, so I think everyone's going to be absolutely pumped up. I think the only thing that I could see town you know combusting is they're getting too pumped up and Hoggy you know you know does a high challenge yeah. and, and and takes out half the Watford team and you know, everyone and then, comes
0: out with like shirts with kachunga on them. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so so I think that's you know that's the thing Watford. You know, despite you know my words being slightly you know skewed and twisted, not true. I could go and find um, it. I can put know, a clip on. Um, I I do think they are a good side, but I think that, you know a good
0: side, but a nothing club. Blake Wilton,
2: Deanie. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> D- I think Deanie's going to be a great match up with Zanker and Schindler. the Physicality, um, and I I think as well they really missed when Tom Clevery's not playing as well. Tom mm. Clevery was mm. he he's a bit of a bizarre player because you don't actually know what he does but when he's there a bit like Michael Carrick it's just very effective and they seem to, to perform better so I think you know um I think Cleverly's still out injured I might be wrong um on that and I, I I just you know because of that and and that and because of the way town are going to play I'm going to go for a 3-1 town mm. victory Steve Meunier twice. Um, and Pritchard who will be man of the match as well he'll need get a goal so there you go <laughs> a lot of specific, specific predictions <laughs> specific predictions which I have also had right as well so you can go back to the podcast occasionally and <laughs> yeah.
0: you know what you don't need any more than that. I'm gonna go for one nil town as well. Okay. Um. I'm gonna go for a Tommins Tomkins.
2: Okay, you always. Thirty-two
0: yard pile driver. A
1: rocket man.
2: Hold me to that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Still got this beard he's, going on. He's
2: gonna be aiming for the corner flag and it's gonna go in. Yeah. That yeah <laughs> That's harsh, right,
0: guys? Come on. Man. Good player. Um. Right, so we've done all the football stuff, the boring mm. stuff. Safe standing, Blake. Do you want to tell us a bit about what the Examiner have been doing on safe standing?
2: Yeah, well, safe standing is obviously an issue that's been in the national eye, and it's been quite you know focused on recently. Um, and there's been a group of supporters, the Stand Up For Town campaign, Huddersfield Town Supports Association, as well, and the Cowshed um, Loyal. They've all been they've all been um all all been kind of banding together um to try and get the this national issue of a safe standing area um into you know the hearts and minds of the Huddersfield town, you know, consciousness. Um so from the Examiner point of view, we are always open to to listen to the fans and Although we haven't sort of said where we are, are officially standing, no pun intended mm-hmm. on it, we have literally just basically given, you know, the HTSA and the supporters groups a, a platform to say this is what safe standing's all about, this is the myths which are busted, this is this, this is that, and we've been putting a vote to it. So um we've had all these articles, we've asked everyone to vote. Just on a simple question: As would you like to see a designated standing, a safe standing area in the Johnson Stadium? Yes or no. Bit like Brexit, you know, where it's a simple yes or no answer, and then you get all the fallout afterwards. Mm, um, no fallout. <laughs> no fallout. So we've done that. Um, you know, people sort of say it's we're just all about clickbait and getting you know traffic and things like that. Um it's the articles themselves haven't skyrocketed traffic wise. Come on, I wrote all of them. But <laughs> Come on, but what it That's has right. done what it has done, it has basically on social media I think it's been a great success with getting everyone talking, um and particularly certain MPs talking maybe more, <laughs> you know, than they should. Um and, and that so so that from that point of view it's been great and you know, drum roll we can basically sort of announce that. We asked the simple yes or no, and um, 81% want a safe standing section in the John Smith Stadium, which I think you guys also ran a similar.
0: Yeah, so we ran a poll, from, from Stand Up For Town is a joint initiative between HTSA and the Cowshed Loyal. Uh, so we ran a poll with the Football Supporters Federation, which got over a thousand um, participants Back in April last year, mm. and so we got ninety six percent more sort of Mugabe esque levels of <laughs> approval. But you, what you're getting is a, is super majorities. Yeah, uh, everywhere we do it. So everywhere we do it. So whether it's at Arsenal in the in, in the nineties, Middlesbrough in the eighties, um, the sensitive one which was Liverpool, who did it in consultation with the Hillsborough families, um, they got eighteen thousand participants and eighty eight percent. Um, voted in favour and also recently Tracy Crouch um, the sports minister has come out and said that nobody wants safe standing, they're a vocal minority, mm-hmm. actually what we're going to do is we want to enforce the, the current rules with regards to standing that we already have in stadium, which is completely against the advice of her own safety yeah. advisory um, body, the Sports Ground Safety Authority um, and there's a petition that's out there if you go on the HGSA Twitter you'll find it Uh, go and look at the uh, statistics of where people have signed that petition and and the most represented area is Merseyside Um, because I think people realise it's about safety, Um, it's about choice as well, that's the other thing it's about giving people the choice to sit or stand and the choice to have the best possible view depending on what they do, it's also about atmosphere Um, you know you tell me that the yellow wall at Dortmund would be a better atmosphere if
1: everybody was sat down Mm. Um, I think it was well, Tracy Crouch one of their comments she said um, <clears throat> she gets as many comments from people complaining that, they can't, that they're having their view obstructed from people standing as as she does get complaints about not being able to stand however obviously the good thing about safe standing is that you're, you're taking people who want to stand in different parts of the ground you're putting them in one place so you're removing you're tackling the issue mm-hmm. of people who wanted to sit down having their views obstructed with safe standing so I think she's sort of missing the point a bit
0: there are, there are so many issues around yeah. this, which which defy common sense. Mm. So the government's policy says that it is inherently unsafe on a on a Saturday for football fans to go to Ashton Gate um, and watch their team uh, standing up in a safe standing area. That's mm. unsafe. On the Sunday, when rugby fans do it, that's safe. So it's 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 logically incoherent from from that perspective. It's logically incoherent because it only applies to the top two divisions as if there's some kind of difference. Mm. Mm. Cricket, pop concerts. Um, and I, you know, pitched the article to the examiner about about Hillsborough because I think it's a thing that we really need to tackle head on. It's been mm. a long time now and the Taylor report said and the Hillsborough independent panel said um, and the second and first coroner's reports said that it was caused by negligent crowd capacity management. Yeah. Um, it was caused by poor policing when um, it was caused by crumbling infrastructure. The Taylor Report said standing is not inherently unsafe. But what clubs looked at is they looked at a £200 million taxpayer subsidy for shiny new stadiums and they ignored all the other stuff they advised about support representation on safety advisory groups, about support representation on boards. Um, so that's why all this came about. It's, it's a complete anachronism. We've got the experience of Germany for 20 years. You know, they invented rail seats because UEFA brought in an all seater requirement. It was a very German solution <laughs> to it. And I do absolutely believe that if Lord Justice Taylor would have had the opportunity, would have had the three choices, which was to say, right, you can go back into these crumbling stadiums and, and, and stand. You can have all new all seater stadiums, or you can have the third choice, which is a seat stadium with a designated safe standing area. I think he would have gone for that because it's the common sense approach. It's not just Germany; it's Celtic now. Yeah. Shrewsbury will have it, um, and you know we—it's
1: just untenable. There's also there's the commonly cited sort of uh, issue of um, West Brom being relegated if they are relegated to the Championship. And they've had their request for safe standing turned down, and then Shrewsbury can have safe standing potentially going to be in the championship. So it's going to be. Mm. A, and, yeah.
0: and and by the way, the the West Brom application was supported by their yeah. safety advisory group. Yeah. Um. And the SGSA came out after Tracy Crouch briefed the press association, and said, "Look, we need to look at at physical solutions to do with tackling standing, and physical solutions means safe standing areas." Yeah. Um, but. What, what needs to happen now, right? because we've talked a lot and we've had every survey after survey after survey, is that clubs, including Huddersfield Town, need to grow a backbone and they need to go to the Premier League and say, this is what we want because it's going to provide our, as they often like to call us, customers mm-hmm. with choice, which is what every, you know, is the mantra of, of yeah. modern liberalism, capitalism, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. It wants to provide them with the best opportunity to have a good, good day out, but also it wants to give them the best possible accommodation to make to, to make them safe and and currently you know rail seating with a crush barrier it, you've got a designated seat it stops progressive crushes collapses and surges which occur in seated areas when you're standing
1: but also in, in even when people are sitting down and there's, there's a goal if, it, if it's you know quite an important goal potentially like you're going to get people getting injured as well then anyway even if they're yeah. they were seating so it's uh, well
0: actually the there's a yeah. a Audit, a safety audit carried out by W.S. Atkins mm-hmm. for Trafford Borough Council at Old Trafford in, in the late 90s, which found the most dangerous um, way to watch a football matches is to sit down, because yeah. most injuries occur from being prone to, to jumping up. Yeah. Um, so I think what we just need is, we need an honest and sensible debate about the facts, and not sentiment. We saw that when Barry Shearman came out, yeah. and then you turned. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. It's 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 a bit annoying. It's, it's just, it's annoying that... that This is a major issue that it's not a vocal minority, as Tracy Crouch said. Everyone, whether a majority of people who sit, a majority of people who stand... You know, want that there. It's also about making things more affordable. It's also about making football more fun for younger people. Yeah. Um you don't want to go sit with your dad, you know, until you when you get to 17, 18, 19 I mean I don't know about your dad, I don't want to sit with my dad. Um, <laughs> I don't mind sitting with my dad. Yeah, right yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah. Me. All right, fair enough. I don't <laughs> <like> mind. <laughs> no. Um so yeah, I mean Blake, what what do you think? You 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 came to us with this. Um and I know you often get a lot of stick on the internet and all this kind of stuff, but from our point of view, you've always been the, the lead on fan issues, you've always been interested in what we want and you came to us with this idea. Um what are your thoughts after this three week period?
2: Well well I think first of all, you know, like everything, like we are in a democracy, the people have spoken and if you take no no sort of disrespect to the HTSA, you know, which you said Mugabe esque Kind of voting, you're going to get a certain type of demographic and people who are already in tune with you know safe standing, um, which was like, I think 96 percent. And you take ours, 81 percent. I think it's more of a kind of true reflect reflection of maybe the, the feeling, but it's still a massive majority. And if you add them both up, you're going to it's 88 percent, you know, or 88.5 you know, off the top maths. So I, I do think you know now like you said you've touched upon it's about clubs and we can't go to you know manchester united liverpool but we can go to our our club and speak to our club and say these are the results where you you know the, the the examiner like every media outlet and i get a lot of people talking about local paper and you know what we should be doing or not but the local paper is to represent the people not the club so you know it's it's impartial from the club and it hasn't got any favoritism so if the club are doing something wrong we hold them up and challenge them if the club aren't doing something we challenge them and at this point with basically what is you know the results it's a case of like the club need to basically have their position outlined and black and white of what's going on so i think that's the next logical step,
0: and that's what we've been pushing for. We we mm-hmm. if they say no, they say no, but we would like them to have a position. Yeah, to- because totally. Because you talk about fan engagement, then you know you can't just have it all your own way.
2: Yeah. Well, well, this is this is the problem that you get, and I'm not just giving a you know a Huddersfield Town as an example, but you know I you know I deal with Huddersfield Town. Sometimes that's the case. It's just kind of them giving us as in a you know, as in the people, as in a media brand, what they want as opposed to kind of listening and, and, you know, giving something the other way. Um other thing as well, Germany, you mentioned Germany, correct me if I'm wrong, they have the safe standing, but aren't they still behind fences as well? Some, you know, there's no Yeah,
0: some of them are so some. that
2: if that works and that's safe, surely safe standing in this country will be even safer because if there was this mythical, you know, crush people would easily be able to get onto the pitch yeah you know, but I as mean, opposed to i don't to fences.
0: think I mean, the, re- the reason there were these massive crushes is because half the stadiums didn't have safety certificates and they're just letting more people than it was meant to hold i mean yeah with it well, with a rail seat it's, it's still a seat you have a designated
1: area that you stand in a lot of the stadiums back then were so sort of crumbling almost weren't they whereas if you look at german stadiums nowadays they might have a, Sort of fencing and whatnot, but they seem to be relatively well maintained as well.
0: Another point you know to make is that these kind of disasters can occur in all-seater stadiums as well. Yeah. If again you have negligent capacity management, the Ellis Park stadium disaster in Johannesburg, two thousand and one, um, forty-three people died. All-seater stadium, they let too many people in.
2: Mm. Yeah. And and just obviously the final two points is. Talking about West West Brom Shrewsbury as well, mm-hmm. it's almost like the government. You know, once you turn the taps on, as in Shrewsbury, and let them, you've got to keep it running. You can't then just switch it off. It's literally like you know having a you know a, a foot. or oh, well, we'll we'll do do see. You know, we'll see how it goes. You can't have one rule for one and one rule because for the other. Because it's
0: incoherent. It is. It's logically inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think they've made a mistake. I, I don't reckon they
1: thought Shrewsbury would stand a chance of getting promoted. No, I don't. So. Think <laughs> no, I, I think they've yeah, totally. their yeah. government policy on the patch Shrewsbury Town was not go up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: That's
0: happening because of the £50 donation from Stand Up For Town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get to be on the front of a programme at some point, yeah, apparently. So if anyone anyone out there wants to go on the front of a Shrewsbury programme, feel free sure to take it. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we're doing it. Yeah.
2: So so I do think that's like you said, that's that's the, the, the perversion of the whole thing is, is like rule for one and rule for the other. I think like you said, Shrewsbury, mm-hmm. no one thought they'd get up. They were struggling last season, nearly got relegated, so they thought, Oh mm-hmm. well, it'll be alright for a League One, maybe League Two side and then they're like, Oh, okay, there might be championship. <laughs> so there's that and obviously, you know, the man himself, David Wagner, come out and said he would love, you know, to for you know everyone stands anywhere in the south stand. So let's make it more comfortable. Um. So, lot lots to go forward and and and, and go forward to. I'm sure the you know the supporters groups have got another initiative or a kind of get together meeting in the pipeline. I think
0: if you, mm. uh, just wait till Everton game. That's all yeah. I say. So mm-hmm.
2: well, yeah. Wait till the but certainly from the examiner point of view the people have spoken and we we feel on record that you know you know we are behind the campaign so um and that's
0: uh, so that's the examiner it's Paula Sheriff, the Dewsbury MP, uh, Thelma Walker, the Valley MP, various councillors, every fanzine, Southern Terriers, Brazilian Terriers. Barashima
1: wants to learn more. (laughs) Barashima wants
0: to learn more. So it really now just is down to the the club to um, tell us what they think. Go to, uh,
1: was it Parliament? The FSF are doing a a road show, I think, or information session at Parliament.
0: Yeah, we'll yeah. pop some of that info out there. But yeah. I think we've gone for 35 minutes, which is quite <laughs> quite long for me. Yeah. I don't know last 35 minutes.
2: Just just one other thing, talk, just going back is some slightly lighter notes. We, um, we are in conjunction with the club. Um, we have been running the poll for the player of the season. Um, obviously, the awards due is um, Sunday the 29th. I think tables, you can still book places tables. So if you want to go have a look on the Huddersfield Town website for that. But we are actually running the poll, the official poll, as we did last year, as we've constantly done for the um, Hargreaves Memorial Trophy play of the season. So if you haven't already go check it out and give your vote. I hope you guys have both done it as well. Have you already gone on it? Tommins. Ince. Tomins. Ince, okay. <laughs> um yeah so yeah so guys have a check that out and maybe later on in another podcast Maybe next week we can talk about you know, who we think is our player of the season or something.
0: Sounds like a yeah. good idea. Well, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, go over to iTunes, give us a good review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, just go to bed or whatever. <laughs> um, and until next time, keep the faith.
2: Nu bij Tele2,
1: the
2: lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou.